In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. This is the second Sunday of Easter, Easter being the great 50 days. The theme of this Easter season here at St. Michael is big love. This attaches to what we did in Lent, the theme of turning and returning to God. Now we pivot, having kind of turned and returned to God, to begin to spread God's big love out in the world. We can claim that love, hopefully, and then we can proclaim that love in a very real, impactful way. That kind of claiming and proclaiming God's love is exactly what we see in today's reading from Acts. In this reading from Acts, to give a little context, Peter and the other disciples were shut up in a room, locked away for fear of Jewish leaders who were searching for Jesus's other followers after his death. We see in the gospel lesson that we read that the disciples meet Jesus, that resurrected Jesus, and receive the spirit, the power of Christ. And then they go out of those doors and they begin to proclaim God's love. They leave the space where they are afraid because they have claimed Jesus's love in a very real way. This did not happen automatically. We know that they had been with Jesus for a long time, but it took Jesus's death and resurrection and then the spirit descending on them for them to finally claim the love that God had been promising and then to go proclaim that love to the people in the streets of Jerusalem without the fear of the leadership. They became evangelists in the best sense. Evangelists, not like partisan puppet kind of evangelists, the way we might use the term today, but that deep desire for more people to go to church, for more people to discover God's love and grace, for more people to be connected to each other, to be transformed so that we can transform the world. Why were they evangelists? Because they deeply understood that Jesus could change their life. And once they really understood that, they couldn't help but tell other people to invite other people in, to invite other people to have their lives transformed as well. Now, the other day, I met a new person who was going to cut my hair. As you can imagine, it's difficult to cut my hair. And <laughs> as I was talking to this barber and getting to know him, small talk, he told me that he had recently begun doing this job like about nine months ago as part of his rehabilitation of sorts. He had had a lot of struggles. He had struggled with addiction. He had struggled with depression. And his wife had finally said, I cannot do this anymore. And so he had to move out. They were separated, not divorced. And she told him, you need to get it together. And she told him that she thought he needed to start going to church. And so he did. And over the course of a few months, he was absorbed into that church community. He became a disciple. He was discipled by others in the community. He had started to pray every day. He had started to listen to sermons and to Bible studies. And he told me while I was sitting in that chair that he prays every day for reconciliation with his wife because he knows that if he prays hard enough that God will answer his prayer and they will be reconciled. And as I was sitting in that chair while he was holding a razor to my neck, I told him that's not exactly the way prayer works. That, yes, it's good. Prayer is good. You should do that. You should be part of that transformation and you should pray. And Jesus says you ask for whatever you want. But when we pray, 
we have to kind of disconnect ourselves from whatever the result of that prayer is going to be. And so I encouraged him to keep praying, and he told me that if I prayed, it would certainly come true because I was a priest. I said, nope. <laughs> but I understood the desire. I understood that desire for prayer for God to be part of the healing of his life. I understood that as he was seeking for hope, he had found that hope in his church community. He was being filled back up and transformed, and I promised him that it may not turn out the way that he actually wants it to turn out, but that if he stays with it, and he prays, and he continues to study, and he allows God's Spirit to work within him, that it will absolutely positively impact his life, and the life of his wife, and his children, and his friends, and everyone that he meets. God will turn good out of that bad situation. Being transformed by Christ is not magic, nor is it an easy road. We can often be duped into thinking that if we do the right things, if we just love God enough, that we will be fixed or we will be healed and we'll feel great all the time. One thing I appreciate about the Episcopal Church is that we have rituals and practices and sacred habits that we participate in and we are invited and encouraged to participate in those rituals regardless of how we feel. If you wake up one morning and you feel great and you can see nothing but sunshine and butterfly and rainbows, come to church. And if you wake up and you feel terrible and you are angry and you are mad and you feel sad, come to church. What we do together is not based solely on how we feel. God invites us to walk the path of discipleship regardless of how we feel. But sometimes I know that we don't feel the way we wish and we can't simply just shake it off and move beyond that. And when you really get down in those darkest places, that's when you need your church the most. Today on this second Sunday of Easter, senior pastors of the churches right here in our neighborhood have all agreed to spend today addressing the idea and preaching about the idea of mental health. Now, as a preacher, I hope to convey the message of grace and love, God's big love, every time I speak or teach, because God's love is for every person here. That love calls us to care for one another, to love each other as neighbors, and that's especially true when we struggle. Now, we are pretty good at helping and caring for one another when we go through the kind of physical struggles that we all understand. Whether we break bones or we have surgery or we're going through cancer treatments, we are pretty good at caring for one another on that level. We are okay at caring for one another in the life phase struggles. Like if we lose a job or if we become an empty nester, if we go through divorce, or if we have our first child or our third child or any child, because it's all hard. We are pretty good okay at that kind of support. We are actually not good when it comes to helping one another through mental health struggles. For no good reason, mental health still carries a stigma. It still carries some kind of shame. It is more taboo than it ever should be. 
If you're struggling with depression or anxiety or more, that kind of struggle is often something that you hide. You don't want to tell other people you keep secret as if that stigma somehow reveals something imperfect in you. And my guess is many of you right now are squirming a little bit in your pews because you know you've got this in your history. You may be struggling right now and you don't really want people to know. That kind of stigma, that is the biggest problem. That kind of stigma really should go away. And why? I hope you're not wondering why that stigma should go away after we just finished Holy Week and celebrated Easter Sunday, because look at that cross. That is why. God loves you. God loves you so much that he would defeat death for you. Jesus died to defeat death once and for all. Jesus died to defeat death for you, each one of you. Yes, even you, because you are worthy worthy of God doing that for you. But sometimes it's hard to hear God's voice. Sometimes we can't just feel our way through this. And that's when we, as a community, come together to help remind one another that we are worthy of that kind of love. Today, with all of our North Dallas neighbors, Let's open ourselves up and accept the courage that we have in Christ to make mental health struggles, especially today, one of the primary ways we actually care for one another. Today, if you're struggling through any kind of mental health issues, I want to invite you to make sure people know, to actually tell someone a friend, someone sitting in the pew, maybe in your office or in your classroom, tell someone that you are struggling. And if you happen not to be struggling right now, prepare yourself to be kind and to be loving and to be graceful when someone tells you they are. We represent God's grace and love to one another. We are the ones who can spread God's big love right here in this community. We are the ones who can help one another when we are in our darkest, lowest places. Fear can be a powerful force in our world, but death has been defeated. God has defeated the greatest fear. And so do not let any struggle you have not a one separate you or those you love from being able to accept that kind of love. Because when we do, when we know we are worthy, we will feel loved. God can transform us. And then we can be part of spreading God's big love to everyone. Amen.